I got something for you today. I think you're gonna love this. It's a bonus message from the series Seven Mile Miracle. I had taught a message on the Emmaus Road and our search for God. And I took the message on the road for a special night with one of our campuses, Elevation Church, University City. They have a reputation for being a little bit rowdy. And so I think you'll enjoy the context of the message. You may wanna turn your volume down a little bit because there was some shouting involved. I think you'll notice the production value is a little bit different. We may not have had as many cameras or as much lighting, but I believe this word is gonna hit you right where you are. And I wanted to gift it to you today. Thank you for being a part of our extended family online. I hope you enjoy the message. Work your window. Work your Wednesday. And uh, tonight we begin on a journey we're going on a walk. We're going on a walk. We are going on a seven-mile journey. We're going walking. Probably shouldn't have wore my <laughs> space jams because on this road we might get a little dirty because progress isn't pretty. But we're going somewhere. Come on, hug the person next to you and say, I'm going somewhere. Let's go together. Go ahead and hug seven people. Thank you, Echo. You're amazing. You're dismissed. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Honor your word as I preach it. Luke 24. How much should I read? The whole Bible? Are you for real? Touch somebody say, are you for real? Kind of feel like that, Holly. Like, is this for real? When we would dream about the church. Is this real? A lot of white people give me grief. Why do you make me touch my neighbor? Seriously, a server in a restaurant came up to me and said, I like your motivational teachings, but why, 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 why the touch your neighbor? I've always wanted to ask you that. But I want to do something different tonight, something that's never been done before. I want you to pinch your neighbor and ask them, is this real? Sometimes you don't look happy with that. Luke 24, 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles. Somebody shot seven. 
like the number of laps it took for the walls of Jericho to fall down, like the number of days that God created everything that is seen within. On six days, he did his work. On the seventh day, he did not rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. God will not stop what he starts till he's done. He will not stop what he starts till it's done. He's an all the way kind of God. He's a count the cost kind of God. He who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. And seven is the number of completion. It's significant that they walked seven miles. They, they were going to a village called Emmaus. I've, I've been to a site that they think may have been the village called Emmaus, but nobody knows for sure. It was more of an insignificant village in its day, and so they can't even really pinpoint it on a map. But that's where these two were going on that same day. Verse 13, it says, that same day, that Sunday uh, that Jesus got up, Uh, with all power in his hand, with the keys, death, hell, and the grave. That day when he declared defeat to the very powers of death, to the shackles of shame, that same day, I wrote in my Bible, Larry Bryce should preach a sermon one day called Any Given Sunday. How many would love to hear LB preach that sermon? How many love LB? I love you, man. I don't have to wait until the calendar says it's Easter to experience resurrection in my life. I don't have to wait for a special occasion. Matter of fact, let me let you know if you're new to this, you don't have to wait till Sunday gets here to worship God, to be in His presence. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing Him. He asked them, like He didn't know, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. They weren't happy like y'all. Maybe they didn't know how to pretend like some of us do. Maybe the events that had transpired had caused them to drop the facade. and They stood still. They stopped walking. They stopped in their tracks, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, we're going to call him Cleo for the duration because I only only have so much time and so every syllable counts so we'll just call him Cleo one of them named Cleopas asked him are you the only one visiting Jerusalem do you see the irony in the fact that Cleo is asking Christ the one who created all things the one who existed before time began are you the only visitor that he is calling creation's king a visitor It's funny because sometimes we say things like, God, we welcome your presence in this place. And God says, no, that's not the way this works. I welcome yours. (laughs) I've been here. I've been waiting for you to show up the whole time. I've been waiting for you to acknowledge my presence. That was there all along. You're the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days. What things he asked. 
And then they start telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. They start giving God advice about how the universe is supposed to run. Have you ever called it praying, but you were really trying to manipulate God into creating the situation that seemed ideal to you? Because there was a certain way it was supposed to go. When it didn't go the way it was supposed to go, these two travelers, Cleo and I don't know, maybe his wife, Miss Cleo, they leave Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit is coming and they go down a road toward a little small town called Emmaus. Because this Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet. Notice they're talking about him in the past tense. They are standing before the great I am and they are speaking in the past tense. Please don't miss what is because you're stuck in what was. He was, he is, he is to come. I promise I'm going to let y'all sit down in just a minute, but I'm excited to be here and I love you so much and I've been wound up all day to get started on this journey. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. Yeah, he was powerful in word because he was the word. He is more than just an expression. He is the essence of the invisible God. And the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and we're disappointed they crucified him because we had hoped that he was the one we had hoped that he would deliver us i had hoped that i'd be married by now i had hoped that this would be my year i had hoped that finally the impulse of the addiction would lift when i went in those baptismal waters i had hoped that if i raised my hand What was holding me down would cease to exert pressure on my life. And they are standing before the hope of the world and they can't even see it for what it is. God is in this place. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. It's almost like God timed this meeting, you know, like just at the point that just at the point that the possibility of resurrection is imminent their hope is at its lowest and so this is a a collision now a crisis of faith it is the third day since all this took place in addition some of the women amazed us that's how I feel about you Holly by the way that verse right there that's our verse Wasn't that good? You like how I can preach and put a pickup line in my sermon so when I get home, the ministry continues? Skillful. (laughs) The, The women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us, They'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They are looking at Jesus, explaining how somebody else didn't see Jesus. Sometimes it's easier to recognize someone else's blindness than your own. 
He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets? He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Go back to verse 26 and I'll give you my subject. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then, and then, there's an order to it. And the order is important. And then enter his glory. My topic for tonight is unexpected resurrection. Unexpected resurrection. And my assignment is to to get you ready. So please find eight people, eight is the number of new beginnings, and ask them, are you resurrection ready? Are you resurrection ready? When you found your eight, you can be seated. Sounds like something's happening. It's amazing to me how easy it is for our expectations to go negative. To me, it's crazy how if I leave my soul in neutral, it's kind of like when you park your car on a hill and don't put on the parking brake or, or don't at least put the car in park. You know, we, we all understand the, the law of gravity as it applies to a car. You know, the, the steeper the incline, the higher it is that you're going up the hill. If, if you have to stop for a minute, If you park your car and leave it in neutral, the natural reaction of gravity is to send your car in an undesired direction. You follow me? Your heart is like that. Your heart is like that. And I think it's important to talk talk about this because although we can have an awesome time together and I love doing that and maybe I'll preach a little bit tonight, but I really want to teach because I see here two travelers in the scripture that I think are symbolic in many ways of the types of people that God brought to church tonight. And I want you to understand something as the rain falls and as even the heavens back me up. (laughs) It's good because now you're stuck in here. You don't want to go out in that anyway, so I can really take my time. That you have to actively set your expectation in a heavenly direction. That you cannot leave it up to the default that your heart will suggest to you. Your heart is dysfunctional. One prophet said it is deceitfully wicked above who else? Who can know it? And if you let your heart do what it wants to do and go where it wants to go and be what it wants to be and say what it wants to say, you will have some crazy thoughts and you will end up 
in some strange places. So I kind of want to take this first week of Seven Mile Miracle. How many of you were here this weekend for church or listen to the message? Yeah. I kind of knew that, but uh, I wanted to preach the message from week one, but I didn't want to do all the same stuff because, well, I mean, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to do a resurrection remix. I wanted to t- <laughs> take this passage of Scripture and, and kind of look at it a little different way. And I want to look at it in the context of what Jesus revealed to these two people on the road, this, this pair of people who had set their expectation on his purpose and promise and yet now find themselves walking away from the very place where the promise was to come. I'm going to use an outline tonight. I didn't give it to them. It's not coming up on the screen. I said, hey, this is the advanced campus. They do not need anything to come up on the screen. They know what to write down. So take out your stolen elevation pen. You know you have 73 of them. You may as well use them for their original purpose. And write down the word reach. Reach, yeah. Reach. Uh, One of the things that was very fundamental to our Work Your Window series, and I want you to go back and listen to it if you missed it, is that everything you need for victory in this season of your life is within your reach. And if it's not in your reach, it's not yours in this season. I just set somebody free to delete a whole bunch of phone numbers. and I can stand up here and I can blame the acoustics of the room for the fact that you can't hear my message or maybe I blame you for sitting in the back. But the fact is, the instrument that I need to do my job is in my reach. We came here tonight because we believe... Even if it seems meager, everything we need for victory is within our reach. Even if it's just a shepherd's staff, it's in our... Even if it's just a little bit of oil in our house that we've overlooked up until now, it's within our... It's within our reach. The only thing that is not within your reach is righteousness. For the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, no, No matter how strong your hamstrings are. I doubt there's anybody in the room. I won't put it to the test just for time's sake, but I know it wouldn't work. That could jump from one end of this stage to the other, not in one jump. I mean, no matter how much, no matter how much willpower, no matter how much effort. I I, I bring it up because I think that religion is underestimating the reach of the grace of God. And I say that in conjunction with this passage in Luke 24 that I love so much that is going to be the central uh, scripture for our study together, our journey through the seven last sayings of Jesus. And I love, I love the idea that they were walking on a road and Jesus walked with them. And I've always loved that because I think it's cool that Jesus doesn't just want to be a part of my life once a week. I think it's cool that Jesus doesn't just want to be my side piece. Maybe I can say it like that. This isn't going online. I can do it the way I fantasize about doing it. 
that he desires to be central in my life. And, and, and grace is often underestimated. Because when I saw the passage at first, I saw Jesus go in on a walk with two guys. I thought, oh, isn't that nice? He walks with me and he talks with me. Do you know the song? Y'all are so churchy. We need some unchurched people at this campus, LP. Tells me I am his own. It's a song. It's a great song. It's a beautiful song. I always assumed that that meant he walked with me and talked with me as long as I was headed in the correct direction. That was my assumption because I underestimated grace. I underestimated grace because religion always does. Religion is always focused on your reach. Grace comes along and says, what about my mighty hand and my outstretched arm? Religion will look at you and say, there's no hope for someone like you. If they knew what you did, they'd kick you out of the church. Grace looks at you and says, you're the very one that caused him to go to the cross in the first place. Don't underestimate the reach of the grace of God. He reached me. And he reached me where I was. Because Cleo, everybody say Cleo. Remember him? He's sad. He's, he's, he's not the kind of person you want to be around on Resurrection Sunday. If you get up from the grave, it seems to me that you want to find some people who know how to express joy and are exuberant. But apparently, Jesus can reach beneath the sorrowful situation and reach beneath negative emotional states and reach beneath scar tissue from a past that was less than ideal and in some ways traumatic and reach beyond and reach beneath. I feel something pulling on me, LJ, that God is reaching beyond and reaching Beneath, A lot of people have a negative expectation when they come to our church, y'all, because they, they tried to reach to God, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some people are just better at pretending like they're farther along than they are. And so they come into church and nothing feels real or authentic. And they leave their expectations are set and so they don't stay very long and it's important when we have a church called elevation that we understand what that means that we do for my greeters and my ushers and my e-kids volunteers we're not just having church we are resetting expectations People who are afraid to come into the presence of God because they expect lightning bolts instead find his loving arms. And what gets me about Jesus is that he takes time out of his 40-day window 
the 40 days which have been designated for him to appear and show himself resurrected so that the world will believe on his name and somewhere in his schedule just hours after getting up out of the crown Jesus chases down Cleo to let him know even if you're going the wrong way you're not beyond my reach who am I preaching to who am I reaching to See, to me, I'm not a preacher. I'm a reacher. I believe this word can hit you wherever you are. You might have turned your back on God, but he didn't turn. Touch your people say he can reach you. He can reach you. He can reach you. He can reach you. He can reach you like long distance can't. You don't remember about prepaid calling cards. I had one. I burned it up trying to reach Holly at certain times during the day when she was in Taiwan. God says, I don't need a calling card. I don't need a text. I don't need a Snapchat. I'm reaching from within. You, f- you, you felt him reaching for you during worship tonight, and some of you wouldn't reach back because you think you're too far gone. And so for me, the fact that Jesus would take some time on Resurrection Sunday. This is like Super Bowl Sunday, and, and Tom wants to have lunch with you. Brady. Tom Brady. And he walks with him toward a place that we can't even find on a map. Here's how I said it Sunday, and some of y'all raised your hand and said you were here this weekend. We're lying, so let me catch you up and review. <laughs> it, it's, um, let, me, let, let me tell you what I told them. We are destination-minded. What I love about this passage and this journey that we're on and this church that God has called us to be a part of together is that we help people see that God is not a God of the destination. He is the God of the detour. Now, when you get that, you begin to realize that even if I'm headed in the wrong direction, Jesus likes to come all the way to the back of the room. I mean, for real, God will find you in the overflow. He'll chase you down in the rain. He'll chase you down in the parking lot. He'll chase you down in the club. He'll chase you down in the prison. He'll chase you down in the hospital. He'll show up on the TV when you were looking for something else. Grace will chase you down. And apprehend you. Grace will chase you down. They're going the wrong way. You're supposed to stay in Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit not many days after this. And they're leaving the place where the Spirit is going to fall. 
And God says, I'll come with you. This is not religion. I'm not preaching religion. Jesus didn't die for religion. Religion can't reach you like grace can. Religion is your reach. Grace is his. How many know he reached? Reach. 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 We got to be a reaching church, man. A reaching church. A reaching church. Keep, keep reaching and God will keep coming. One time I was praying, sit down. I was praying one time. I was like, God, there's too many people. I don't want to build any more buildings because it's going too fast. And I felt like God said, you need to keep reaching. Have you reached everybody that doesn't know me yet? You're done? You're done? Oh, you're done now because you got a good salary and it's comfortable for you. You were hungry when you were starting the church. And uh, it's not like out loud. When I say God spoke to me, I don't mean out loud. I mean louder than that. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, it's like God said to me. I, I don't want to say he said it because I don't know if he said it like this. Uh, but maybe I heard it like this. But man, I don't know. But here's the impression I got. Because we ask God to show up in our church. And we ask him to show up in, in our ministry and all that. And I felt, I felt like the spirit of the Lord impressed upon me. And it was like God was saying, if you, if, if you don't keep reaching, I'm leaving. Now, I don't think he meant he'd stop loving me or, you know, like God's going to hover out of Charlotte like he needs us for him to be here. He was here before we got here. Just that, that special presence that we experience together is because we're chasing down Cleo. You want to know where Jesus is found? He's out on the dusty road on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday. He's not wearing a suit. He's wearing some J's, and he's coming after Cleo. He's coming after Cleo. He's coming. So this, this journey that we're on, this seven-mile journey, it is about reach and it's about resource. It really is. Can I preach a little bit? How long you got? Barbara, I promise I'm not going to keep those kids in that room all night and they'd be demon possessed. Got a lawsuit in the church, fed them too many sugar cookies. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Y'all aren't suing me. So he says, uh, what y'all talking about? Jesus wants to know what y'all talking about. I've always preached that God will come in when he's invited. And I can prove that with certain texts. But this one, this one up into my presuppositions. He just walks right up in the middle of their stuff. Doesn't ask if he can journey with them. Just starts walking. And when they stop and explain to him how their hopes have been crushed. I'm sympathetic to their situation. Not that I can relate to the depth of despair that they would have felt standing at the foot of the cross, watching the one that they had perhaps followed, now put to death. At the hands of the government that they thought he was to deliver them from. 
What gets me about it is that they knew it was the third day, but they weren't willing to wait it out. Okay. Because hope is a resource. And some of you are running really low tonight. Running low on hope. I didn't say hype. Hype is what you do while you're here and people are watching. Hope is what you have when they're not. You got me? And, and the fact that they're speaking about their hope in the past tense, as we mentioned, makes us aware of their blindness to the presence of God. For if he is with me, I am never without hope. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day. I met with some of our volunteers right before we came out. And we just had a quick minute together. We, all, all we did, you didn't miss anything. All we did was just say hello. And we made up a new thing. So we, now we have a new thing with our vision statement that I want everyone to start doing. And I'll tell you real quick. It's see what God can do through you. See what God can do through you. See what God. So you see what God can do through you. See what God can. That's what I want y'all to do from now on. And we worked on that together. So LB will be doing that now. And it'll be, he'll do it better. And I just did it. And it'll be great. But I told him I would tell a story about LB because LB's been with me from the beginning. Now, I need to say something to you about just LB, and he's a great leader and a great man, and I love Janet because Janet loves LB, and that's something we have in common, Janet. I don't love him like you love him. Don't want to. Don't plan to. Don't intend to. Couldn't be forced to, but I love him with my own kind of love, and I loved him from the beginning. When I met him, he was uh, he's excited. He was boisterous. He was loving. He was hardworking. He was Minnesotan. He was poorly dressed. He was painfully unfashionable. He's been stepping it up in so many ways ever since. It's just been amazing to watch. But I told him at the volunteer rally I was going to tell a little story about LB, and I'm going to tell the story right now. It's about the first year of the church, and it happens to revolve around Easter, which is cool, because Seven Mile Miracles is kind of like an Easter sermon series, and uh, we're going to go all the way up to Easter with this series, by the way. And, but we're not, we're, we're not going to start with the death. We're going to start with the resurrection so that we can put the death in context to know that whatever you're going through right now, it's not going to end like it is. So it's our first Easter, okay? And we don't have any people, so we want to do something to publicize the church. And we decided to do this thing called the, the Elevation Egg Drop. The idea was born when I walked by a basket of Easter eggs in a hospital room, and Tyler Ford, who was on our core team, said, what if we dropped thousands of eggs out of a helicopter and invited the community? So all of a sudden, I have this idea that we could do an Easter egg drop, and we empty out the church bank account. Everything's fine. We've got great teams. Eyes this way. And we go into the Easter season with this outreach idea. We got this helicopter rented and thousands of plastic Easter eggs and tokens and tickets for Xboxes. And we're giving away Wii's and prizes and everything. And we're sending out a mailer to the community to let them know just to reach into Because we've always been an outreach church. And so we, we 
rolled every, the dice on this. I mean, every resource we had, we invested it into the Elevation Egg Drop, and we printed up these mailer pieces to go in the mailboxes, and we worked it out with the mailing company, and I went out of town to preach for a previous engagement, and I was coming back on Friday, on Good Friday, but it was Bad Friday, because Larry Bry picked me up from the airport and said, I got good news and bad news. I said, uh, good news first. He said, we still got the helicopter. I said, bad news. He said, the mailers didn't go out and they won't arrive in the mailboxes until Monday. And the event is on Saturday. Because there is one thing Larry Bride didn't factor into the process of the elevation egg drop or the promotion of it. It's called turnaround time. Let me preach. You don't send the post office a postcard on Monday if there's 50,000 of them and think they're going to send them out on Wednesday and everybody's going to get it on Thursday. You got to plan for that. So when the Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth, what it means is that God was creating your way out before you ever got in. The cross was not a surprise to God. They're talking to Jesus like he's going to be shocked by the fact that he died. That's what he came to do. So do me a favor. If the person next to you looks like they're into this, touch them and say, give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Give it time. You don't know what it will be while it's hanging on the cross. It might stand in front of you in the form of resurrection, but you'll never see it if you stop right now. It's called turnaround time. Give God a little time to work on it. What, you prayed Wednesday and didn't feel it on Thursday, and now you want to quit, and you're only on mile one? Give it time. So this kind of preaching will enable you to stand in the gap when God doesn't come through just when you wanted him to. When, when God doesn't bless you with blinding speed. Turnaround time. Because it's got to go through the process. How many business owners? The profitability of your business is directly related to your understanding of turnaround time. Profit, process, profit, process. No process, no profit, no cross, no crown, no press, no oil, no trial, no triumph. No suffering, no strength. So he says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Did he not have to walk the road of suffering to enter? Into his strength, did he not have to wear 
the thorns to have the name above every name? Must Jesus bear the cross alone? If he suffered like that, if he waited like that, if he prayed in Gethsemane like that, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why aren't you shouting now? Why don't you shout over the fact that it's not over just because it doesn't feel good? It's not over just because you can't see it. Resurrection power. It's on the inside. It's on the inside. Sometimes you can't see stuff when it's too close to you. Sometimes the closer something is to you, the less you notice it. Some people fly across the world to get to Elevation Church. Some people won't sit in a crowded parking lot for 12 minutes between services. And they're standing next to Jesus. Who has all power in his hand. Everybody shout source. So they are standing next to the source running low on the resource but once you understand that resurrection power is not produced in pretty places but it looks like doubt sometimes it looks like discouragement sometimes it looks like it's going the wrong way sometimes. We had hoped he was the one who was to redeem us. And all of a sudden, these two who are stuck in crucifixion are standing next to resurrection. Here's the word. You stood there long enough. You've stood there long enough. Because what I love about the passage, and I need to show you this, and I promise I'll let you out of here. Someone has crucified your hope on the cross of an unwanted circumstance. You came to Wednesday night service because it seemed like a cool thing to do or someone bugged you to do it. God did not bring you here for a funeral. This is your Easter Sunday on a Wednesday night. The power of God is in this place. The presence of God is in this place. The resurrected King is in this place. Resource. Reach, resource, reason. You don't understand the reason for what you're going through while you're going through it. And Cleopas makes this clear because he walks along the road with Jesus even though he doesn't know it's Jesus. See, you don't have to know it's God working in your life for God to work in your life. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. How many of you are called according to his purpose? Just because you don't recognize his presence doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he didn't speak it. And just because you didn't feel it 
doesn't mean he won't finish it. He said, I'll go all seven miles with you. And he's preaching to him, right? Wouldn't you love to hear this sermon? Ooh. Hand Jesus the mic and let him go. He, he captivated them too. I know that he did because he started with Moses and the prophets and he walks them. Well, he kind of, he, he doesn't start where, where, where they were. He, start, he starts back here and he starts explaining to them what was happening all along. See, as the prophets were looking forward to Jesus, they, they longed to look into the things that we have. Uh, they, 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 they searched intently to know the times by which Christ will be crucified. But now Jesus is standing here as the fulfillment of the very thing that they looked forward to. And he's speaking about it. And he's bringing together all of the things that were spoken about him. The law that they had broken, he perfectly fulfilled. The prophets that they stoned, he... He was a better word, and, he, and he's speaking to them about himself, and they still don't see it. And as they approached verse 28, I feel God's presence in this place. As they approached the village to which they were going, what they thought was the destination. See, you had in your mind how life was supposed to work. Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. I need, I need to tell you something about the journey. It starts where you are, but where it ends depends on you. And if you just want a superficial relationship with God where you just know a couple cute Christian cliches, but your, your Christ is nothing more than a few cute sayings on your coffee mug that get you through the day, you can have that. But when you get a cancer diagnosis, a cliche on your coffee mug isn't going to be enough to fight the devil and drive back darkness. So now the one that they've been treating like a visitor starts taking over. That's what he wants to do. We called this uh, midweek takeover, and that's exactly what it is. But it's not me taking it over. It's God reaching into your dysfunction. Your despair, your defeat. Somebody shout, take over. Take over, God. Not a little bit of me, not a piece of my heart. I want all of you to have all of me. Oh, God, my notes are all over the place. Take them, LB. It's yours. You can preach this. You can preach it as good as I can. I don't need my notes. I just bring them up here for a show. I don't need any of that. I'm not looking at any of it. I got it in my heart. Now, it says when he was, when he was about to leave, because uh, grace will never leave you, but how deeply you receive it depends on the disposition of your heart. If you resist it, it cannot reach you. But if you open your heart like they open their home, Jesus said, I'm good. It was nice walking with you. I got to go. I'm kind of important, even though you don't know it yet. I got to show some people who I am. But they urged him. I love it. The fact that somebody like Cleo could warrant the presence of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And if he would do it for Cleo, won't he do it for you?
they said, hey, uh, stay, stay with us. We don't really understand everything about you yet, but you're really cool. <laughs> we don't know who you are, but we want more of it. And see, that's enough for God. He, he comes into that kind of contrite heart, the Bible calls it. Stay with us for it's nearly evening and it's raining outside. You don't want to go out in that anyway. Come on in and stay. Some of you are not bearing fruit because you won't get planted. You won't stay. Branch can't bear fruit apart from the vine. But now we have Jesus, the one who spoke the world into existence, being invited to stay in the house of a no-name Cleo in a backwoods town. And he does it. And then they, they, started, they started eating. Uh, they stopped by Bojangles around mile five or six, apparently. <laughs> Modern translation. That might be the monk's corner translation. <laughs> and when he was at the table with them, stand up, I'm closing. He took bread. He took bread. I just remembered how one time he called himself the bread of life. I am the bread of life and to two discouraged travelers who were stuck in what was he took bread he was bread he is bread his presence is his provision if you have him you have all you need if you don't have him nothing that you could ever have could be what you need took what he was and he broke it he did to the bread what the Romans had done to his body and it's one thing to walk with Christ but apparently sitting with him at this proximity did something to them because the Bible says that he took the bread he took what was in their house he just taken over men He's not polite. Takes the bread. Reaches in. He is the resource. He is the bread. He breaks it because he had to suffer. That's the reason. To enter into his glory. And when he gave it to them. When he gave it to them. They saw something at the table. That they didn't see as they traveled. See, when you're walking, you might put your hands in your pockets. But when he took the hands that created the world and put it on the bread and broke it like they broke him. And when his nail-pierced hands reached out to offer them the very thing that he himself was. Brokenness became their blessing. 
Someday you're going to see the reason for your scars. The, the very thing that caused them to leave Jerusalem was the very thing that brought them resurrection. The very thing they were describing as the reason that they had left the place that they were supposed to be was the very event that brought about their redemption. You don't expect to see God in that stuff. You expect to see him on the mountaintop. But God said tonight is a night for unexpected resurrection that you are going to see his strength not in your strength but in your weakness in my weakness he is strong so whoever you are Cleo I hear the voice of God this is kind of cheesy but how God gave it to me is how he gave it to me and I'm not going to be too embarrassed to obey him he said for me to tell you come back Cleo <laughs> just like that come back look it's, it's crazy they go to the Emmaus village they, they, they go in the wrong direction they eat with Jesus can you put my verse back up it says that they recognized him what verse was I on 31 I don't remember find it. it's around 31 it's somewhere somebody shout reversal reversal then their eyes were opened not in the way they expected, not through the thing they expected, not through what they wanted. And they recognized him. They saw in his scars what they could not hear through his speech. Then they recognized him. Keep it up. I'm done. And then he disappeared from their sight. Why? them stay in Emmaus God loves you enough to meet you where you are but he loves you too much to leave you there come on it's a comeback come on back come on back you've had your back turned on God you've had your back turned on hope your face has been downcast but God brought you to Wednesday night for a comeback! It's a comeback! 32. Man, they looked at each other, look at your neighbor and say, we're not. Our hearts burning within. In other words, I knew God was up to something. I just couldn't say what it was. But I see it now through what I've been through, through what I've survived. He was working it not our hearts burning while he talked with us on the road God was working with me on the road God was working with me in the process God was working with me in the winding valleys God was working with me on the hard climbs he opened the scriptures to us next verse they got up and went back where they belonged 
Resurrection doesn't just mean that he got up. It means you can too. Get up. Go back. Get up. Go back. Hey, people, get up. Go back. Get up. Go back. You can't stay in Emmaus. You got to get back to the 11. You got to get back. The Spirit is coming. The Spirit is falling. The Spirit is coming. The Spirit is falling. Revival is here. Resurrection power is in this place. Lift your hands. Come on up, get up, get up. is in this moment don't you miss him because he doesn't look like what you recognize don't miss him because what you had hoped didn't materialize he is here hope is here please don't leave in the overflow Elisha died and was buried. That's what 2 Kings 13 says, verse 20. That's where we stopped in the sermon series. But I got one piece of unfinished business. The Bible says that every spring, the Moabite raiders used to enter the Israelite territory. And uh, every spring, they would come in and ravish the land. I know you're like, what does this have to do with what he just said? I thought the sermon was done and we were going home. We can't go home. Somebody said we can't go home yet. Once while they were burying a man because they thought the situation was over and they were prepared to just put it in the ground. But suddenly they saw a band of raiders and the attack caused them to do something they wouldn't have normally done. It was an unexpected attack that was making preparation for an unexpected resurrection. Because when they threw that body on Elisha's tomb, come on, I got to preach this. I'm almost done. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life. Whatever was dead is coming alive in the name of Jesus. Shout about.